Hey, it's Yana Bud. I've been working with young people and adults for more than 40 years, helping them to live their best life. Now on this podcast, I do it for you too. That's why we call it At Your Best. So I can help you become your best self each week. So let's explore stories from all across Canada and celebrate how strong we really are, even when we feel at our weakest. Well, it's a new year and hopefully we finally turned a corner and we'll see clear blue skies and plenty of new opportunities coming. What exactly are in the cards for 2023? To get to the bottom of this, we'll be speaking with Nick Snor, a third generation tarot card reader, to see what the cards say is in store for us and if this year will be any better than the last. And do you have a teddy bear or your favorite stuffed animal that's seen better days? Maybe the dogs got a hold of it or you did, didn't fully survive a wash or even just too much loves and hugs. Well, it might be time to send it to some, for some surgery with the teddy bear Dr. Ruth Hasman at her teddy bear and stuffy hospital. We speak with Ruth about how she created this teddy bear hospital, who it helps, and what exactly is the royal treatment and touch-up that will breathe fresh life into it. So sit back, relax, we've got lots of stuff to do, and get ready to listen to ways we can help make you be at your best. You know, it's a year of looking back, going forward. I'm a, I'm a mindful guy. I'm all about mindfulness. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm a therapist. I'm a coach. I uh, was a jailhouse chaplain. I, I speak. I do all kinds of stuff around just helping people be better, learn how to be more comfortable in their own skin. So, you know, part of that means learning how to live in the moment, living in today, thinking a little bit about the future and not really spending so much time looking backwards. But you can't help it sometimes, right, my friends? Sometimes you got to kind of sort of look back you know, at, at sort of things you did that maybe you can fix and change. Well, as Canadians, we should be doing the same thing as a country. You know, it used to be a time I traveled all over the world over the years. And, you know, you tell people you're from Canada and they used to look at you like you know, there was something special. You know, we were peaceful. We were, we were calm people. We had a lot of, eth- uh, you know, a lot of ethics in our government. You know, things were uh, a lot more uh, uh, fair in terms of how we treated one another, how, how we treated the different sexes and different organizations like military, police, and so on. Uh, so we can do better. I think we can do better this year when we look back at last year, including things like just simple preparation for the snow and, and understanding that winter's going to come every year. That's right. Every year, people are going to just, you know, snow just keeps falling more or less. But we live in wintertime, you know, and if you're out in Vancouver right now, it's raining like crazy, but it's nothing new, right? All across the country, the weather's changing a little bit, but it is weather and we have to be prepared for it. So we can't understand then why at Christmas time and New Year's time and holiday time, we have such a hard time at the airports, like all kinds of cancellations, not even, don't even talk to me yet about lost luggage and what that looks like, right? What does that look like? What does lost luggage look like? I can't imagine. You know, I've only had that happen to me once. Uh, It was a horrible experience many years ago. I landed in Chicago. I was there on business. um, And all of my stuff uh, my, my computer, my prep, I just, you know, I was one of those guys still am, but can't get away with it so much now. Cause I need to carry a bag on, on with me. But I was one of those guys that like to travel, you know, light and easy, you know, a little, a little knapsack, maybe a briefcase or something, but most of most of my stuff would go into something I would check. And then I deal with it later, usually with the, the help of a, a porter or somebody, and then get it into a car with a driver or a cab or something. And off you go. Right. Well, not so much now. Now I'm learning how to live out of a out of a uh, overnighter, basically something you can put up a uh, small travel bag that you can put up over uh, in the overhead compartment and a knapsack, which means you know doing laundry sometimes in the sink, maybe sending it to the laundry in the hotel if I can afford it, or I know that they're going to actually get my socks and underwear back because I can tell you stories where you know I'd send my stuff, basically just the stuff you really need, right? Socks, underwear, maybe a dress shirt to get washed and ironed if you need it for a presentation or, or to look better the next day. But, you know, now I'm learning how to draw, how to pack with, uh, you know, Lululemons and roll-up clothes and T-shirts rolled up and just learning how to do my underwear and socks in the sink. And you know what? It's not so bad. I have control. It certainly helps with my anxiety. My OCD and my ADD helps me a lot when I feel like I'm in control and I feel like I've got things under uh, under my thumb, if you will. But things like frozen airports and clogged uh, frozen air, frozen rail lines, clogged airports, 
travel nightmares, not getting your bags, bags being shipped to the wrong place or not getting on the plane at all. Like, I don't understand. If someone gets, a bunch of people get booted off an airline, get booted off a flight for whatever reason, it's not going forward, they change, whatever, whatever reason they change uh, the, the plans. There certainly should be a system in, in line set up for what happens to my bags when I'm not on that plane. It's not rocket science, I'm sure. I don't work at an airport, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting for a moment that the people that work there and, and break their bums every day to do a good job, I, I'm, I'm telling you, they, these aren't the people we need to be, be looking at. We need to be looking at their bosses' bosses, right? The people who make these decisions. You know, the world knows the Canadian winter is winter. It just is the way it is. So when you travel in and out of Canada, you got to expect things like delays and Chicago and New York and places like that as well, right? You got to understand that weather happens. So when the snow hits BC's lower mainland and just before Christmas, and, you know, it was depressing to see Vancouver's airport, the second largest, second biggest airport in the country, come to a complete standstill because of the weather. Like, come on, guys. Vancouver is one of the Canadian locations where snow hits every year, yet they still work on trying to manage the surprise of it all. Hello. Hope they pay attention to my next guest in segment two. She's a, a, they are a tarot card reader and predict the future. So maybe we need tarot card readers to help predict the future. And maybe my guest, they can help them as well. This particular snowstorm was forecast at least a week in advance in Vancouver. The one we're talking, you know, the one we're all talking about, right? Just before Christmas. But it, it it was so bad that it just put everybody, just everyone was locked down. It just, it, everything was clogged. And then the air, the railway between Windsor and Quebec uh, were clogged because of days of snow and derailments and ice. Like, come on, folks, we can do better. We need to do better. 2023 has to be the better year for us as Canadians. We need to recognize that we're smarter than that. We can plan for things. We have all kinds of resources available to us that make us better. Standing up to challenges and problems requires a serious amount of leadership and a government that's focused on problem solving, not on posturing. And governments and businesses alike consistently seem far more concerned with what they're saying, if they're saying the right thing, than actually taking the action and putting themselves on, on, on the line a little bit. You know, uh, ex-conservative leader Aaron O'Toole's New Year's Eve wish uh, fewer, uh, he says, our military is in disarray, is being done to help uh, our allies. And, they, you know, nothing's being done to help, and our allies are noticing it. Oil and gas contribute over $50 billion to Canadian uh, balance of payments each year and drop of oil. Every time we reduce the price, every time we sell it for less, everyday Canadians like you and me makes us a little bit poorer, makes it more difficult for us to live. Our current governments have been hounded by questionable ethic pra- ex- ethics practices. Or ethical practices, I guess, but no resignations. No one's lost their job, so to speak. Our potential as Canadians is so enormous. We have an amazing population of talented people, creative individuals, and folks that can do better. So I'm hoping this year, 2023, is a better year for us. And if it's a, a way that you can kind of look at your life going forward and look at doing the things that you want to do, like maybe being dry in January and how to do that. We can talk about that too, if you'd like, but you know, making small changes in your life, doing a little bit better, making yourself better, being a little nicer, helping the, helping the people around you that are, that are a little bit weaker. You know, I used to brag about Canadians being the kind of people that weren't interested in being line leaders when they were in school. They were interested in helping lift up those that were just a little bit weaker. That's what made us better. That's what made us special. And I'm hoping That's the Canada that we can see in 2023. You can hear the shuffling of the cards. We're talking about tarot card reading, and we're hoping to give you a sound that would uh, tie into that. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm Yona Bud, your host, as you know, this evening. And uh, tonight, I'm so excited that we have a futurist, I guess, a, a person that uh, reads into the future using tarot cards. Uh, their name is Nix Noir. Uh, they're a third-generation tarot card reader. Uh, and like the cards they used, imbued with the 75 years of wisdom passed down through generations of mysticism and magic. 
within their bloodline. Originally from the Black Mountains of North Carolina, they are the medium and portal through the veil, welcoming the shamanic energies of their familiar spirit to help guide many people through the cycles of healing, death, and rebirth. Traditional folk magic and old world witchcraft is what Nick's practices, bringing forth and empower us and our highest potential to reclaim our power. Birthed from the woods of justice, we fight for peace. We fight to be seen. The Eyes of the Oracle is cultivated expression that has been envisioned by spirit. I am the vessel for which spirit comes through with a message for you. With these readings, we will dive into many lives uncovering your magic and how to harvest it and remember who you are by welcoming your guides forward to give us insight for what you need to know, as well as how to navigate the earthly realm. That's from the Nick from Nix's website uh, referred to as the eyes of the Oracle.com. Uh, Nix, thank you so much for joining us this evening. How are you? Good, good. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a, it's an absolute, an absolute pleasure. You know, I, I got to tell you, before we kind of kick it off here, I got a bunch of questions for you, but you know, I, I do look at um, my horoscope every day in, in the paper and, you know, the day from day to day and even from paper to paper from magazine to magazine they alter they're different for every you know i'm a capricorn so for example one says perhaps you're ready to take a relationship to the next level or the very least finally let someone know how you feel about them another one on the same day you might have something you want to say so that kind of ties in together i guess you would say and then in one of the magazines for the same day it says that uh, i'm going to be in hard work mode but you know for the most part next I look at these things and I got to tell you, I, I, I was a non-believer for a very long time, but lately in the last, I don't know, six, seven months, the words seem to speak to me. So I'm really glad that you're on with us this evening and so happy that you could be here because I have so many questions about how, how this happens and, and the reality factor of, of what we're talking about here and, and yeah. how realistic, how accurate some of these readings are. So uh, again, welcome so, uh, so, so much to being here. Uh, did you, Nick, did, did you see the pandemic happening? Did you see it ahead of time? Uh, yeah. Uh, I would say three months before it happened, uh, it actually came to my doorstep and, uh, literally I was rushed, uh, via an ambulance to the hospital, to the emergency room for all the same exact symptoms. They said that I had the flu, bronchitis, pneumonia all at once. <laughs> uh, and it knocked me down for about a month. And I moved through it and I was like, this is not, this is not usual. This is not uh, the common cold. And while I was in the emergency room looking at the lights, uh, spirit came to me and was like, this is what is about to happen. Um, I didn't know the severity of it. I didn't know how big this was going to be, but it hit me, you know, pretty hard to where I was kind of pondering it probably for the next two months until it actually come out in the news, uh, that it was the coronavirus and, before I even read any information about it or watched the news or anything, I had a feeling that this was planned. This was in some way manufactured through fear and manipulation and control, uh, which is still doing right now. Um, so, yeah, I guess you could say that the the spirits around me tied me into the synchronicity uh, of this construct of the collective consciousness to give me the insight to try and help and warn people around me. Because as soon as I had it, uh, I was telling everybody around me that, hey, there's really something going on to be aware of. Something different, something strange. Is, is it when is when we talk about uh, your tarot cards? First of all, I, I'm so sorry that you had to be the the, the vessel from which you know this could springboard. But I I, I sort of get it. Uh, when you talk about the spirits connecting with you, 
Is it mm-hmm. something that is it something that comes like in a dream, in a in a day, you know, when you're when you're awake, when you're asleep, through your cards? Um, how does it? How do the spirits speak to you when you're not actually doing a reading for somebody else? Uh, well, in my daily practice, through med- meditation uh, and journey work, uh, I always call forth my guides and sit with them. Uh, to find out what's going on, what am I about to embrace, what am I moving through, what can I expect um, from the day, from the week, uh, from the people that I'm encountering uh, to do the readings. And so from the beginning of the day, I'm already up the street and around the corner uh, with that insight. Um, I guess through the synchronicities of numerology, psychology, which I went to school for, uh, divination with the cards, um, signs from the spirits of the animals around me, it it all kind of ties in. And when you sit there in silence and tap into it, you're able to receive those messages. And that's a lot of how they communicate with me. But this has been... Uh, a 40 year journey for me from when I was young, uh, every house that I lived in, uh, was haunted, um, including, including, uh, family home, uh, which I, which where we grew up with my mom and my grandmother, it was their, uh, mom and dad's, uh, my grandfather, my great grandmother, um, and they all passed away in there as well. And as I grew up, like I would, I would come out of my bedroom and see my grandfather sitting in his study, uh, in his recliner reading the newspaper like he did every day. And I would try and communicate with him, and I'd tell my mom. And you know, as a young kid, being five or six, I'm in tune. We can see through the veil of this re- this three dimensional reality into other realms. Um, who did, who, did it, who did it start with? Nick, I, I, I just, I got, I want, I don't mean to cut you off. It's a great story. I just, I, I want to know, like, you're talking about being in the family. So in the family, were you in that family house that you were living in that you quote is, you know, you suggest is haunted. Um, were these the other generations of tarot card readers that you refer to as being a third generation of? Like, is that the same family uh, unit? Yeah, yeah. So this went, it went back to my great grandparents and then my grandparents. And then my mom, so my mom and my grandmother uh, were the original two, as far as I can go back, uh, of the cards that I use here today. My guest this evening is Nick's Noir. Uh, they are a third generation tarot card reader and just a cool person to chat with. Uh, Nick's, thanks for sticking around. Um, give me an idea about cards, the cards themselves. Like, give us an idea if you can, and you know, kind of try to get a bunch of questions. So maybe we can just try to keep the answers kind of tight. Um, give me an idea about tarot cards, uh, what, how they work, why they work. Are there real ones? Some that are authentic, not so authentic, or they need to be special, um, you know, guided by anybody give me a hint around the actual tools that you use uh so the cards specifically are used as a mental object for your mind to attach to it uh to tap into those spaces within ourselves to our emotions the navigational system of the soul our heart uh so it's it's part psychology, it's part uh, intuition, and then the energy that they hold within them and the images that were created uh, back in 1957 that started the tarot cards have so much symbology in them that whatever our subconscious mind pulls from it is what we need because what we are seeking is seeking us as well. Uh, spiritually from our higher self, uh, from the guidance of the universe, the synchronicities. You know, when you think about a blue car, you see a blue car all day that day because yeah. you're focused. Yeah. Um, so I don't, it's the, the cards are a placeholder okay. for your logical mind to tap into your subconscious, to connect with your spirit and the, 
guides around you to help support you by using your gut instinct, your intuition, your emotions uh, with the cards that tell a story about the specific questions that you're asking. So it's not, so I get that it's, you know, that makes a lot of sense. So it gives you something physical to see something you can visually connect to something that you can tangibly say is sending me the message, because obviously a lot of us would think it's just really weird that these messages just came to us out of, you know, out of nothing. So it, it makes a lot of sense that this is a, a visual conduit, but it's not doing the magic, right? The magic is really, and I say magic in, in, in the most respectful way. Um, it's not doing the, the sort of the magical stuff that you do, the, the stuff that you're just having bred in you that you're able to share what you feel, what you pick up. Uh, this is just a way for you to kind of give it something physical so that it's just not so obscure as this, as this kind of virtual mist of nothing, right? Absolutely. Uh, and the reason I do that or the reason that all of us do that is because our right brain wants to control our thoughts yeah. Yeah. Uh, and wants to be aware of what's going on. And so when we, when we do that, we give our brain a puzzle so that our subconscious can come forth and give us the answers from within ourselves. Uh, so the magic is actually coming from us. Uh, once you get good at this with your intuition, the muscle memory, of how you feel and what that makes you connect with. You don't need a crystal. You don't need cards. You can sit in meditation and find that place of Zen and ask the question and you can answer it yourself. Wow. But you have to, you have to be, uh, you know, my friend, you, you, you know, you'd have to be, connected that way you know like um just you know in my practice i'm teaching people mindfulness and cognitive behavioral therapy like all day long every day all day every day not everyone gets it they it's it's hard for people to gain that that insight into just finding themselves in the day i could only imagine the deeper you get into the more spiritually kind of mystical stuff it's harder to touch if you're not open to it so do you find that the people that you read for um, do they have to be kind of prepped and prepared? Like you have to do your own kind of assessment as to whether you think they're going to be able to quote unquote connect and get it, or can you break through and kind of get to anybody? Uh, so first off, um, spirituality is not something you hold in your hand. It's the entire existence of the construct of a reality around us. Yes. Uh, and so with that, uh, I have people that come in with with the readings. It's your own experience. And so if you're open to it, if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to do the shadow work and to go in there and heal those wounds and open up and see what the problems are and accept that and then be able to release and let go of it and heal that and step into the present, then that, of course, is going to make you more in tune to appreciate the readings or more in tune to receive the message. Um, but it's also, there have been instances where people have come in that emotionally have walls up, they're skeptical, they don't believe yeah. in anything. And as yeah. soon as I strike a nerve, we go to the root of it. And they're like, how did you know that? You don't know anything about me. Well, your guides came forth and told me that you need to pay attention to this. And then we moved through there. And even in those ratings, uh, within 30 minutes to an hour, we can break through some of the trauma and actually see what has caused that and, and try and work through that. Because over the past 100 years, within our generations, there are those curses of hurt people hurt other people. And so ultimately, we're trying to stop that and to heal that and address that uh, through divination, through tarot, uh, through uh, shamanic healings, through Reiki and energy work and massage therapy. Uh, And we offer all of that at our shop, uh, Southern Sisters Ritual Apothecary uh, in London, Ontario. Oh, what's that name again? Uh, Seven Sisters. Seven Sisters in in London, in London, Ontario. Amazing. Okay. I want to make sure people know how to get there and you might find me out there at some point. You know, I, we got such limited time. I wish I could keep you on all night. Uh, and so I'd love to have you come back again if, if that's okay. But, uh, you know, it sounds like we, you and I do a lot of the same stuff. It's, you know, people have to be open for therapy. 
You have to be open for change to make behavioral change. And it, you know, you taught you and I, I think talk the same language, just come at it from a different place. Uh, so I find it remarkable that uh, this is um, so cool. Like I just, I, I just in awe. Um, something that I found that was interesting on your website, uh, Nix, is that you offer something called witch defense classes. Um, give us a, a short version of what that's all about. Uh, so a lot of it is based upon protection uh, because there are a lot of psychic vampires out there. There are a lot of hurt people out there that are constantly wanting to attach or attack others. Uh, and so the witch defense class uh, that me and my partner Melanie uh, teach is all about how to ward yourself, protect yourself uh, using crystals, using iron nails, uh, using sigil magic, uh, coming into your space and shielding your aura, your energetic field uh, from, you know, especially over the past four years since the pandemic's hit, there's been a lot of depression. There's been a lot of alcohol. There's been a lot of mental yeah. illness. There's been a lot of uh, the, the sludge of the world weighing us down. And so it's a lot about that, protecting yourself, from getting stuck in that cycle of suffering and getting stuck in that hole to where we're focused so much on the depression and not being able to be helped or get out of it that we lose hope and faith. So it's really about bringing you back into balance between the light and the dark, the positive and the negative. Amazing. Uh, we got a minute left. So I'm going to ask you the big question. 2023, is it going to be better for us, brother? Uh, yes. Uh, so this year, 2023, is the fourth year uh, of this new cycle. Uh, and so it's the number seven uh, when you break it down mathematically, and that corresponds to the chariot. And the chariot is all about seeking balance, finding that light within yourself, standing and speaking in your truth, being open, honest, and willing to receive and be responsible for your words and your actions. And that is also for us right now is the magician uh, cultivating our intentions and imbuing that essence into the seeds that we plant, that we want to water and grow into our future, changing our perspective from the negative in the past into yeah. the welcoming of change so that we can water and nurture ourselves and our growth into the future, into prosperity. Um, so everything that we've gone through from 2020 to now has been able to give us an opportunity to look inside ourselves and ask what is in alignment, what Perfect. feels expansive. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna, I'm sorry, gonna have to cut you off here. We got to go for a break. Uh, Nick's Noir, Seven Sisters in London. Nick's, we got to come have you come back. Thank you so much. You're an excellent guest, and I thank, I thank them so much for joining us tonight. We had to buy extra things out of our own pocket and. I think we'll try to make a claim with Air Canada for, for clothes and things like that, but um, it was pretty hard. I've been back now four times today. It's 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock. They're telling me now 4 o'clock to come back. They don't know where my bag is. They have no idea what's going on. We need to understand why both our airlines, but more importantly, our airports, are such a, com a complete mess. Canada used to have the best functioning airports in the world. Yeah, used to be woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? Welcome back. Uh, appreciate you joining us this evening. You know, this whole thing, this whole airport thing, lost baggage, baggage you can't find, people actually having trackers. I got trackers now. My kids have trackers. We all have trackers on our luggage and such. I got trackers on my briefcase, on my gym bag. I got trackers on everything because I got OCD, and when I do things, I do it in a big way, right? I got trackers on everything so that I can find them. But if the tracker tracks, but you can't get to where it's tracking, it's not any good, right? 2,000 lost bags still stranded at the Vancouver airport. This article is a few days old. Amid the hundreds of cancellations of the week before Christmas, thousands of travelers, you know, we, we talk about Vancouver, we talk about Winnipeg, thousands of bags, people, you know, being bumped from, from one airline to another airline. Uh, one, one story in particular about a guy who had his luggage and in his luggage were his tools. He showed up to do a job without his luggage. He lost ten grand, ten thousand dollars. 
because you couldn't do the work. You couldn't do the work. This is a great article that portrays people not at their best. And I'm not talking about you and me, the passengers, because frankly, I think we show a lot of constraint, a lot of poise, and a lot of patience when dealing with silly people. At the best of times before the pandemic, at the best of times years ago, getting your stuff through your luggage on time, getting your luggage, period, was a bit of a crapshoot. You know, a bit of a roll of the dice. Sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. You know, how many times I arrived at places where I was in a hurry to get to where I had to go to next and my bag didn't arrive, which is why I said in the first segment here that I now travel using a carry-on and a knapsack. Uh, I also carry a scooter. I have to travel with a scooter, so that's a bit more work. But, uh, you know, just can't rely on anything that I can't see. So if my bags, and then, of course, the anxiety of wondering if the bags are going to be there, the discomfort of saying to yourself, like, God, honey, they just moved us to another flight. Um, You think our bags are going to come along? And then you look out the window of the plane before you disembark to get to the next plane because the one you're on has a broken armrest, so they can't fly that day. Like, give me a break. Doesn't anybody have any duct tape? Like, come on, friends. Am I the only one here? 877-399-9898. Give us a call or give us a text. Tell me what you think. Am I the only one going on about this? I'd love to hear from you. 877-399-9898. We've got a little bit of time. Get a message off to us. Tell me about your thoughts and experiences. Have you had one? Have you been through this situation, this nightmare of trying to find your bags in an airport or being stuck in an airport waiting for a flight for 24 hours or longer? And what that feels like, what that looks like? Come on. We can do better. We're Canadians. We're smart people. There's technology for this stuff. Why can't we scan and move baggage around with the with the patient with the with the patient. You can tell what I do for a living with the passenger, right? It makes sense. Like children, when you go into a hospital, you know they give you an armrest, an armband, and they give your kid an armband or your loved one an armband if you're there as their as their caregiver. Why can't they do that with your bags? So if you're off the plane, so is your bag, and you match. The two pieces have to match before they can they can load the plane and, and move. Yeah, it might hold things up a little bit initially. It doesn't seem to be anybody that we can hold accountable. Who do you talk to? Certainly not the people that are that are that are sweating and killing themselves doing the actual work in the rain, the heat, the snow. They're the ones taking the bags on, putting the bags off, taking them on, taking them off, moving them to the carousel. You can only imagine, right? What's going on in the baggage room behind the walls that you can't see. Like how difficult is it? In 2023, with the technology that we have to be able to match our bags with the passenger, to make sure that if someone arrives, they get there with the things that they need. Now everybody's starting to travel with jam-packed overhead bags, right? So now we have a whole thing when you're on the plane of people that are maybe not being at their best, maybe taking advantage and packing it just a little thicker, a little heavier, so it just barely gets into the overhead, maybe not so much. I've seen people have to take stuff out of their overhead bag on the plane and hold on to it until you arrive because they couldn't actually scrunch it down enough to get it in. So I don't get it. I don't get why we're not doing a better job. We are Canadians. We understand what airports are about. We understand what flight is about. We understand what travel is about. Leaving people stranded without their socks, their underwear, their coats, their clothing, their bathing suits, their toys over the holidays, the toys and gifts for family members. I heard so many stories of people that, you know, had, you know, thousands of dollars in, in gifts and packages in their in their uh, checked luggage. And they never got a chance to give it to the people because it didn't arrive till well after the Christmas the Christmas period, rather right after the after the holiday period. I know someone who arrived in Israel for Hanukkah to see their family with you know both the 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 husband and wife, the mother, the father, the grandmother, the grandfather, grand grandmother, grandfather. Uh, they're all those things to their family. Arrived for the eight days of Hanukkah in 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 Israel without their bags and all the gifts and all the things, all the stuff they brought for their eleven grandchildren. It's a lot of gifts, right? It's a lot of disappointed kids. And you know what? You kind of write it off and you say, you know, it's just the way it is. It's not going to make a big deal of it. It's only toys. 
It's only gifts. It's only things. But after a while, especially the kind of year we've had, the couple of years we've had, the stuff we've had to deal with, it's kind of the last straw. That's why people don't really act their best sometimes on airplanes or on trains or on buses, in airports, in congregant areas where people get ready to travel because they just had enough. They're just pissed off for the last time. They, they're, they're depression. They're anxious. They're, they're panicky. Doesn't bring out the best and probably didn't have great food. Probably didn't have a great night's sleep the night before. Probably a little angry. So it's the whole thing, right? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Halt. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and you're feeling depressed, sad, or otherwise anxious, you got to check that stuff first. Did I eat today? Am I angry with somebody that I'm not really thinking about? Am I lonely? Do I really miss somebody that I should be with right now? Am I tired because I didn't sleep? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. At the airport, for sure. You're not eating the best of food. You're not, you know, lie down on one of those benches. Really? How long have you done that for? I did it for about 20 minutes, not not so long ago. My back was killing me. I can't imagine lying there for hours or lying on the ground using my suitcase as a pillow. Is that what it's come to? Is that what travel is all about? And why only in Canada? Why only in Toronto? Why only in Vancouver? Why in Winnipeg? Why is this happening in Canada? Why not all over the world? We're not hearing about the same things in other places in the world. And if we are, I'm certainly not familiar with it. Maybe you know. Maybe it's a story you can share with us. You can send me a text message, 877-399-9898. Right? So everything that we try to do, everything that we try to do to get back to some kind of normal is what we need to do to try to get through and make 2023 the greatest year ever. We just need to do a better job and protect ourselves, taking our own lives in, in, in our control, making sure that you've got bags that you can see and take with you and take off the plane. So yeah, you can't travel with as much stuff. And maybe what a lot of people are doing, and certainly something I've done for a long time, is if I got a lot of stuff to take somewhere else, I ship it. Can't beat FedEx. They're not cheap, but it gets there. It's not cheap to check your bags anyway. And I'd rather send it and have someone else schlep it than me, to be perfectly honest with you. So I appreciate that, you know, we try to do the best we can. But you know what? This is just as we're just taking advantage of, of, of one another. We're, 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 we're taking advantage. We're expecting people to show up at restaurants and wait 20 minutes or a half an hour because of, of reservations not being ready. And then when they sit down, wait another half an hour, 45 minutes for service because there just isn't enough staff to serve you. I mean, that's what we're dealing with here, right? So I think it's really important to recognize that the people on the ground aren't the ones to be angry with. The people that you want to be angry with are the ones that tell them what to do. And I don't think they're doing the greatest job. I think we could do a better job. And as Canadians, I think we're just better at it. I think it just makes us better people. We are better people. Let's just see if we can do better and help one another through these difficult times. Anybody lost looking to get found Nowhere when they hear the champion sound Works like a magnet on the people all around Nowhere when they hear the champion sound Anybody loving music up in your town Nowhere when they hear the champion sound Love it when they hear the champion sound Need it when they hear the champion Watch out! Okay, welcome back. Thanks for joining us this evening. Hope you enjoyed your break. And if you're just joining us for the first time, it's so glad to have you here. I appreciate you being here. The first segment of every show on the second hour, uh, we talk about skills. We're providing a skills uh, series. And this week, we're continuing with uh, how to become a champion. And uh, just so you know, just a recap, we first segment, we did uh, identifying a clear goal. Second segment, we the second week, we did uh, talked about aiming high. And the third segment, we talked about making a plan. And today we're talking about cultivating your motivation. So, um, you know, what does that really mean? What's it mean to cultivate your motivation? And how does this make you a champion? <clears throat> well, let me tell you something that becoming a champion and actually living your life like a champion, the way you move, the way you act, the way you speak, how you eat, uh, how you conduct yourself, the way you dress, it's all, it's all a mindset, right? It's all about getting your head into a place where you just want to be better. You want to be the best you can be. And to be the best you can be takes a plan, takes an organization, takes understanding your goals, aiming high, making a plan like we talked about over the weeks here uh, leading up to tonight. So tonight I want to talk about motivation. What is it? How do you get that motivation to push yourself 
to the place you want to be, to be the best that you can be. Well, motivation to understand it's a mental push. It comes from you to accomplish an action. And you know, the difference between internal and external motivation is external motivation is when you're doing things for others because other people suggest you should do it. They, hey, you know what? You should do this and you should do that. Why don't you do more of this and do more of that? And sometimes, you know, they're great. It's great advice and probably something we should pay attention to. But the real motivation comes from within. And on a basic level, you can visualize how getting fired may lose our ability to buy food and get a good night's sleep. However, some of us are capable enough to not worry about these things. We, lo- we lose our motivation with projects and tasks. We fail to see how the current tasks map to a bigger picture. So we need more defined ways to motivate us every day. And here are some of those ways going into 2023 to make this the best year ever for you. You have to start with small bits. Procrastination occurs when the task is way too big. So setting your motivation around small tasks, break the project down into smaller chunks that suit your attention span. I have ADD. My attention span isn't the same as everyone else's. It's a little bit less. It's a little more fo- a little more difficult to focus sometimes. So I break my whole life down into little pieces, into, into segments throughout the day. So if you can concentrate for 40 minutes, half an hour, an hour at a time maximum, let's say, break your task down so you can complete them within the time limit that best suits you. I, th- I see patients and I do, I do counseling and, 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 uh, and coaching in half hour segments because that works the best for me. And it works the best for my patients and my clients because they get the best 30 minutes that I can provide because that's, you know, it's a pro it's a process that works. So I, I live my life in during the day in 30 minute segments, hour segments, I break it down into small pieces and look forward to the success after the completion. After you complete something, I talk about celebrating the successes, whether you're in therapy and you're trying to make a better life for yourself or whether you're just trying to be better at being a parent at your job, at, at working out, maybe pushing yourself to the limit a little bit, working out. You have to visualize how completing your task will satisfy you and then celebrating that with rewards. You reward yourself after each task is completed. Maybe it's something you drink. Maybe it's a piece of candy. Maybe it's a a few minutes extra that you can watch some TV. Maybe it gives you a little more time. You know, the, the reward might just be some more free time for you or do something fun or eat something you really enjoy or buy yourself a little something. You've done a good job. Patting yourself on the back makes sense. And by the way, it's not based on how much time you put in. It's based on what you're able to achieve. So you want to reward the achievements and not worry about the bigger picture overall. You want to look at the picture in little pieces, right? You have to find your motivational switch. Everyone has a way to switch on their motivational mode. Some people may be motivated by the praise of others. Others may be motivated by participating in some discussion. Whatever it is, find what your switch is and exploit it. Map the task into long-term goals. So how can your task at hand contribute to your long-term goals? Is your long-term goal achieving financial freedom, for example, or social significance? Will working now directly help your long-term goals? Of course it will. And think about how you procrastinate and how procrastination eats away at your successes. Putting it off, right? Thinking positively does not work for everyone. But I think if you think positively, it certainly might work for you. Think about what will happen if you complete the task on time. Thinking negatively, negative self-talk just adds stress to the overall project, overall task, and it makes it very difficult to get through it. But being positive about the fact that you're in pursuit of the greatness is sometimes more than enough. And you got to give yourself some consequences. You know, you got to give yourself, if I don't complete my tasks, I'm going to lose this or it's going to cost me that. Or I don't get to do this or I don't get to do that. Making sure that you can promise yourself that you're not going to go golfing until I finish this, or I'm not going to go here. I'm not going to go with my friends. I'm not going out tonight until I've done this, this, or this. You know, it's with with homework. It's a great thing. You know, we have children at home that do their homework, and you can't go out after after school unless you finished your homework. You heard that, I'm sure, most of us as kids. As adults, we do the same. We say should do the same things for ourselves. You need to ask yourself a question: When you fulfill all of your basic needs, you're wealthy and you're healthy. Why would you bother working? You keep working because there's something deep inside that makes you want to continue. Sometimes reaching successes just requires you finding the next level of success you're trying to get to. There's no such thing as an end. You don't get there and now I'm done. It's over. Being a champion is something you do forever. Even great athletes 
You see them on the field. You see them on the court. You see them on the ice. Even when they retire and they're no longer doing the thing that they're great at, they still act like champions, most of them. They still live like champions, most of them, giving back to society, doing good for others, helping kids in, in, in need, teaching, training, doing something. Because once you've been a champion, it doesn't stop. That way of life is in your skin. It becomes who you are. You got to look for little bits that you really love to do and do them. To motivate, to be motivated by passion is my favorite. Find what you love to do and do that part first. If there's a project that you need to do and parts of it are ta- more, more tasking for you, maybe put those off for a little bit. Do the things in the project, do the things in the tasks that you love to do first. So maybe it's not the, the work, the, the weights and the, and the workout that you do with, with weights and equipment. Maybe it's the treadmill. Maybe it's the jog. Maybe it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the stretching. In my workout, I like the stretching is the best part for me. I enjoy that the most, the slow sort of uh, yoga-based stretching. I find that more fun, frankly, than the other things like the treadmill and uh, the bike and uh, pushing weights and equipment and like that. I, I, but you got to do it. You got to do it all, right? If you want to get to where you want to get to. There's no such thing as just doing it in little parts. You got to do it. The little bit parts lead up to the big thing, right? So you want to do little things that lead to something big over time. I want to lose a little bit of weight today that overall I've lost this amount. Join with other people who are working hard, surrounding yourself with other people that have that same champion mentality that also want to be great and are working hard to be great. These are the kind of people you want to surround yourself with. It makes your life so much easier if you're surrounded by people who are positive and moving in the right direction. And by the way, you then end up complimenting each other and competing a little bit too, right? If it's something in the gym or it's something you're doing at work, you're trying to do something better, be better, and there's others doing it with you, right? But listen, it's it's something you've got to work at. And doing it with others just makes it a little simpler, a little simpler, a little more, not so lonely, if you will. And the last thing is to kill the repetitions in the schedule. Are you being way too organized or working on the same schedule for projects and tasks? You may reduce your own motivation by trying to stick to something that's maybe too rigid for you. Complete the task at another time. Walk away if you need to. If it's not working for you at that time, at that moment, walk away and come back to it. It's not the end of the world. You're in charge. You're in control. You're empowered to do the great things that you need to do to make this the best year ever and to make this the best life you've ever had. It requires motivation, requires strategy, and requires devotion. So I'm hoping that this was somewhat helpful. And uh, we'll do some more again next week. You know, I read an article not long ago. It was the middle of December, towards the end of December, and I could hardly wait to come out and share it with you all because it really is a question of uh, profiling someone who's really at their best. And uh, the story is about a, a woman named Ruth Hasman. Uh, some people call her Dr. Ruth, and we're going to talk about uh, what uh, Dr. Ruth does here. But the article says, my teddy bear's head was falling off, so I sent him away for surgery. Ridiculous. Well, here's why I did it. Every week, a teddy bear shows up on Ruth Hasman's porch, the article says. Some have been burned in the dryer, others attacked by dogs, and many worn down by just decades of snuggling. My daughter was born. She was given all kinds of stuffed animals, and I added Dusty to the pile. He was 27, with limbs that were a few hugs away from falling off, a hole in his neck, and a a bright red grimace that had been stitched on by a well-meaning dry cleaner. His right eye looked cloudy with age and Hasman's never seen anything quite like it. She said it was probably melted at some point. Uh, Hasman goes on to say, uh, I never thought about fixing dusty until I saw the look in her eyes. I found a stuffed animal hospital in Montreal with an opening in late January, but nothing in Toronto. There was an archival ad for Rosemary super repairs star in the star in 1985. When I called the number uh, Rosemary, who's almost 90 said she was out of the game. But I wanted to. Uh, I wanted this to be a Christmas present. So uh, we went on uh, what people always do. They went on uh, Facebook, and there's something called a Teddy Bear Restoration Group. Has about six thousand members, and f- through there, she was uh, introduced to Ruth's Animal Hospital uh, for her stuffed animals in Vancouver. Uh, Hasman, who's now seventy nine, a very young seventy nine, walks upstairs and opens a drawer in the half in uh, in the hallway, pulling out fluffy scraps of white, brown, and tan synthetic fur. She keeps everything. 
I know when I, I never know when I might need it just a little bit. She says with a laugh, her Christmas tree uh, earrings swaying back and forth. There are bags of plastic joints, spools of pearl cotton for embroidered noses and a hardware organizer for eyes labeled by size and color. Well, I'm thrilled this evening to bring with uh, with me tonight uh, our friend, Ruth, uh, Ruth Hasman. Thank you for, and welcome to the show, Ruth. Uh, Ruth runs something called Teddy Bear and Stuffy Hospital. Um, and you've been very, very busy. Have you not, Ruth? I certainly have. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an ama- amazing story. So let me tell you what you get at this Teddy Bear Hospital, right? Um, you can... Here's some of the things that they provide at the teddy bear hospital uh, spa treatments. That's when a teddy bear gets a spa treatment. If they've, uh, they've been cleaned. And I guess Ruth, uh, you'll tell us about the spa treatment. They do fa- face reconstructions. Uh, they do hip replacements, fur grafts. Uh, and uh, what else? Foot and paw pad repair and replacement. Ruth, how did you end up fixing teddy bears? <laughs> Well, I started out making teddy bears out of old fur coats um, years ago, and uh, we got into the uh, into the business of getting supplies uh, because it was really hard to get supplies here in Canada. And um, through through that and going to teddy bear shows, uh, people got to, and we had a website. People uh, got to know us. And besides buying supplies, they'd call and say, well, you know, we've got a friend who doesn't know how to fix their teddy bear. Can you help? So I did. And once those businesses sort of petered out and I retired from those, um, I kept getting calls and calls of, of, of uh, re- for repairs. So, so I you're, started you're, up my teddy bear hospital business. <laughs> so you were in the teddy bear making business for some time. Yes. Yeah. For almost 30 years and I've interesting been doing it a long, i've been doing it a long time <laughs> so uh so how does one start by i mean let's go the animal hospital is something i definitely want to get to but how does one start you know making teddy bears well i had a a neighbor and i were thinking about doing some kind of business and she said you know i made my kids some teddy bears out of old fur coats and um she said that's what we should do so that, that was what we did. We used to go to the thrift stores every Sunday and buy fur coats for a dollar and make up these bears and take them to a, a, a trade show. And um, then one, uh, one time uh, somebody mentioned this on a radio show, kind of like this, about us. And um, my girlfriend said, oh, I listen to that show all the time. Maybe we should take a teddy bear down to the, to the studio. So we did. And, and it was a Fred Latrimo show. He read it over the air. We got, this was back in the old days, faxes and phone calls and stuff. And we got a call from CBC TV News. And they came out and did a, uh, a presentation or a video on us. And that's gone, that went clear across Canada. So your name got out. Um, and um, then again in 2014, I got a call from Gavin Fisher, who worked for CBC Radio, and he was interviewing people with interesting jobs, and that's where it and it say it also went clear across Canada, and that's where the Teddy Bear Hospital really took off. Took off. That's remarkable. Um, what, what I don't, what I'm trying to understand here is when you when you first decided to do this. Um, were you able to, um, were you able to kind of convert your, your, your thinking of, you know, making it, making, um, making bears, making uh, teddy bears and, and fluffy animals into repairing them? I mean, how that's obviously an easy transition. Oh, it, it is. Um, you know, I use a lot of the same, uh, same techniques. Um, and I, I continue to learn because teddy bears are made all different you you know i kind of thought i knew it all before i got into taking them apart and looking at them and so each one seems to be a little bit different so i learned something each time about how you know how manufacturers have put the bears back together again or somebody else who's homemade a bear and uh, so it's it's a continual learning process keeps keeps my brain going 
So tell me a story. Tell me. A, I mean, I, I got people here that have sent you messages, testimonials. Many thanks for the sprucing up. Ted uh, still looks good for 52 year old uh, treasured by my 33 year old grandson. Um, these kinds of stories obviously must make you feel good uh, when you hear them. Give me an idea. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes here, a minute and a half or so. Give us a quick story of uh, sharing an experience with somebody, please. Okay, well, one of the, the, the ones that I really liked was a 100-year-old bear. It was wow. 105, actually. And um, the, the owner's daughter's came with, daughter came with a dog. The dog got a hold of the bear, ate his head, and a leg. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> plus a few, other, a few other parts. So it was sent to me. To, to see if I, well, he, he actually sent it to his sister in, in Vancouver because she had made bears. <laughs> and she said there was no way that she could fix that one up. Um, so it, uh, I spent the whole Christmas working on, you know, figuring out what was there for the parts that were there, parts that I had to make up with new fabric. I had to dye fabric to make it look old to match up with the old there. And, and uh, so it, it worked. It worked out. It was really worked out very well, and uh, they they were just. I made a little video about it, and then they sent me a video of presenting it back to to the owner, and you know how excited he was. So that was uh, that was. I'm here talking to Ruth Hasman, Teddy Bear and Stuffy Doctor, and the founder of Teddy Bear and Stuffy Hospital. And you can reach her if you have to by uh, at Ruth Hasman on uh, Instagram. And uh, they have a website, uh, bearlanddesigns.com. If you need to find her, uh, you can. She's in the business of repairing uh, stuffed animals that... Uh, get uh, destroyed in various things, fires and uh, other forms of terrible things. Here's an art, uh, a letter from somebody, dear Ruth, please look after my bear. She was my first toy and I treasure her deeply. Her name is Claire. When you replace her paw, paw, uh, paw pads, um, can you also send back the original material along with the rest of her? Please send her back with express post uh, signed by Bridget. Lots of people sending you messages. Um, let me ask you something here, Ruth. Um, you know, you're, you're, you do this, you provide, you know, perform surgery, do all this hard work. Um, what's the, mm -hmm. are you, are you considering the next generation of, uh, of, of, of furry, uh, furry uh, doctors, teddy bear doctors? Are you training anybody to come up behind you? Well, so far I haven't been successful in, in doing that. My, my daughter has uh, done some bears, but she's off into something else and granddaughter's not interested um, so, so far I haven't found anybody that, you know, that really could come in and, and take it over. So everybody keeps saying, you got to keep going. You have to keep going. What are we going to do without you? Yeah. Well, you and I, you and I yeah. are not far off in age. So uh, I know what it's like when people say, well, you know, you can never give up your practice. It's like, you know what, sooner or later, I'm just not going to be doing this. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, it, you know, at some point you just, the hands get sore, you know what I mean? Or, or uh, it just you yeah. know, it becomes, your eyes aren't quite what they used to be, but uh, sounds to me like exactly. you've got a lot a lot of a lot of years to go hands. yet. <laughs> yeah. So you've performed surgery on hundreds of bears. Um, are there particular mm -hmm. ones? If you could share with us, is there any particular story about a, a, a particular animal, a stuffed animal, stuffed uh, uh, bear that you received, where you kind of looked at it and go, "Oh my gosh, I, I, I'm not sure about this one." Is there a particular story that st stands out in your mind as kind of one of your more challenging situations? Um. Well, I've got. <laughs> it's sort of hard to, to choose. Another one that was um, that I that I found that was uh, really meaningful. His name was Johnny, Johnny Bear, and he survived World War II. Um, he was a uh, uh, given to uh, the owner um, <clears throat> from somebody in, in in England. Brought it back, gave it to his granddaughter, and. Um, the granddaughter's dog chewed it up and she was so upset with it. She threw it away. But fortunately her boyfriend pulled it out of the, the, the trash. And I'm not quite sure how he found me, but you know, doing some research. And so he sent it to me and it's, it's on my Instagram. It came in a little tiny black bag and I took it out and I looked at it and I said to my daughter, 
oh, that looks like poop. <laughs> so I took it all apart and kind of cleaned it up. And it, actually, the hole there was, was there. And uh, I don't usually, do, it was only about a three and a half inch bear. And I don't usually do bears that small. Yeah. But I got it all together, patted myself on the back. You know, I got this bear done. And then I sent it back. And I asked the, the boyfriend, did the bear have a story? And that's when I found out that he was a survival from the, you know, the World War II and all the stuff. Oh, the the, the uh, owner was a pilot, uh, uh, and he was, or not a pilot, he was a gunner on one of the uh, Canadian um, Air Force planes and survived something like 62 sorties, which was, you know, oh, wow. amazing, and came back and, you know, came back and this dog had eaten his bear. And I thought, oh, my God, if I'd known that ahead of time, I would have thought, I don't think I can, you know, I don't think I can repair this thing, but, but, uh, you know, that, that, that really touched me that, uh, that I was able to save this, this poor little bear. Did this bear so have, this bear have like a, the bear have like a flight helmet and goggles and stuff? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, it's a tiny little, just, a, just imagine three and a half inches was all, all it was there. And most of it was there. I was able to, I did have to, to add some new, I think this is the Paul pads on that, but uh, yeah, he's quite a, uh, quite a guy. And I've had him on several different websites and that's one that gets a lot of hits. So, you know, people like that, that, that particular story that's and the stories, story. you know, stories behind all of these bears. Do you have it? Do you have any in your house? I mean, you're where you live. Do you keep your own sort of, you know, inventory of bears that you like, or are you kind of, I, I had enough of like, like a school teacher. You really don't want to come home to your kids. If you don't have to, you've had enough of them during the day. Uh, do you have your own I, bears to keep I, you cozy? I, I, I do. I, I do, but not very many. I've gotten, you know, rid of most of them, but I, I keep a few around because um, I often get little kids that come to the, uh, come to the house. I do it out of my house Yes, and it just makes them you know, feel, you know, they like to see the doctor and, and, you know, that, that I've got teddy bears around the house and, uh, you know, that makes them feel more comfortable. You're, so I have uh, a few. You're, you're, you're remarkable. Um, how long does it take to, to repair a teddy? Uh, how long's like they basically, um, how long does it take to, to repair a stuffy? Well, I, I get asked that all the time, but it, it really varies. Um, so like the, the hundred year old bear took me weeks and weeks, not full time. Uh, and I'd have to think about it. A lot of times it's like putting a puzzle together and, you know, you have to think about how all the parts are going to go back together, um, what parts you have to make. Um, <clears throat> then there's also the other thing that makes my job hard is that I often have to undo to do it yourself repair uh -huh, that's going uh -huh. on all of yeah. these bears ahead of time. Yeah. So I, you know, that takes almost sometimes that takes longer than it does to actually do the repairs that I need to do. So we, so are we talking, we're hours. talking, we're talking about hours here, right? Like multiple hours. Hours, yeah. Hours yeah. and hours. Um, and do you, do you, I guess you charge for this work, right? I do. Okay. How do you, but how do you charge? How, how do you charge for that? <laughs> It's hard. It's a labor of love. Exactly. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's hard to, uh, I, I don't have a definite price. I do have a, I have a sort of a definite price if they're just going to come in for a spa treatment and maybe a little bit of stuffing. And, uh, but the other ones, um, you know, I give them, I, I do give them, um, you know, an approximate because what happens is it comes to me and it's a lot worse than the, their pictures showed or what needs to be done. And so then I'll, I'll usually, you know, email back and forth and we'll discuss what, you know, what I could do and, you know, what they want done. And um, then, you know, I'll let them know that that's going to be extra for, you know, some particular thing that they want done. 
Give me some idea. Give me a range. Uh, is it a hundred dollar item? Is it a five hundred dollar item? Give me a uh, give our, our audience an idea. I'm talking to Ruth Hasman, the teddy bear and stuffy doctor. Um, give me, give us a. We got a couple, just about a minute or so left here. Uh, give us an idea of what the range of costs might be if somebody's considering this. Okay, it, uh, I'd say it would start maybe about thirty five to up to maybe one hundred and twenty five hundred and fifty on some of the real complex ones. Oh, so very cost effective, actually, for someone who's yeah. trying to save something that's, you know, it's like it's like repairing an antique, right? Like, what's the cost of repairing mm-hmm. an antique? If you want to keep it, there's it's kind of priceless. Uh, one real quick question, to, and then I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go for the night. But um, okay. what's what's the biggest? I'd love to have you come back some other time. But what's the <laughs> biggest culprit for repairs? Is it dogs chewing? Is it fires? Is it accidents? Give us an idea, uh, real quick here, of kind of you know what what the general reasons are for the the majority of the people that send in their, their stuffed animals that need, that need repair. Uh, okay. That the, the biggest culprits are dogs <laughs> because you give your dog a, a stuffy then yeah. they, they don't know the difference between your, you know, your priceless stuffy and, and their toy. So dogs, um, dogs are, are, uh, they're way, way, way high in my, in my business. And then the, the other ones are, um, the, you know, the, the well-loved ones. Yeah, um, lots and of use. A lot of them, the, you know, the inexpensive ones, yeah. um, they, they get tattered, you know, four or five years. And then I've had other ones that, you know, maybe 80 years old and just need some new paw pads. So, you know, it, it really depends on the quality of, um, of, the, animal. You know, of the stuffy. Mm-hmm. Well, thank thank you so much, Ruth, for uh, joining us tonight. I'm talking to Ruth Hasman. She's the teddy bear uh, and stuffy doctor. Really appreciate you joining us this evening. And uh, thank you so much for uh, for all that you do and uh, just continued success and 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 good health to keep, to keep doing what you do. And uh, we'll check in with you some other time. 